This episode is brought to you by Ibotta. Cashback made easy. If you've been noticing your shopping trips are getting more expensive, you need Ibotta. With Ibotta, you get real cash back, not points, on everyday purchases, like grocery staples or even tools for your next home project. Download the free Ibotta app today and use the referral code SPOTIFY to get $5 for trying Ibotta. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store. This episode is brought to you by Carvana. Carvana is in the business of driving you happy. And with the widest selection of used cars under $20,000, you're bound to find a car that'll put a smile on your face. They even offer customizable financing so you can plan your down and monthly payments. To shop thousands of affordable vehicles 100% online, download the app or visit Carvana.com. Availability may vary by market. Hello, Mistorians. Kevin here. If you're hearing this, then I have likely had my baby. Well, more accurately, my wife had her baby. But I was there, probably. Before the big day came, Greg, John, and I decided to record some quick episodes to make sure we had some to publish while I am knees-deep in baby shit and sobbing incessantly from lack of sleep and general terror. Greg had to join our Skype call from afar. He was in Vegas or Tijuana or something. I can't keep track of all his comings and goings. So he wasn't using his normal setup for this one. We hope you're safe, healthy, and hanging in there. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to History Defeats Itself. My name is Kevin Rosenquist. I hope you're doing great wherever you may be. If you're hearing this episode, that means that my wife and I probably had our baby. And we, uh, the, the three of us, me, John, and Greg, recorded a few episodes in advance, some shorter episodes, so that while I am hyperventilating and or sobbing gently to myself trying to take care of a newborn, we have seen some great episodes to get you guys. So without further ado, I will introduce my glorious cohorts and co-hosts, John Banks, Greg Mitchell. Gentlemen, thank you for taking the time to record some extra episodes for while I'm out of commission. Absolutely. I think it's been a really good idea that you've been role-playing by wearing a diaper for the last six months, and she has been changing you, so that way, you know, when the baby comes, it's going to actually just get easier. Yeah, yeah. It's true. It's also yeah. it's also incredibly convenient, I gotta say. I totally understand the why babies uh, just enjoy shitting their diapers. And this is why yeah. I said earlier that I wanted to live in a, in a nursing home. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, you all, did. We're all nice. Life is easier. Just poop and pee. Although I will say, I will say, crawling around on your knees everywhere—that hurts. I've been doing that for the last month uh, with a collar on. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think you put a collar on a baby, but whatever. Uh, maybe you do. I don't know. I've never had kids, so maybe Wait, you do collar a baby. John, John, I, I uh, slow down. I'm taking rule. notes. Sure. I'm taking notes. It's probably one of those fuzzy sure collars, though, just because you don't want to be mean to a baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. John's been sitting in a car seat. <laughs> <laughs> So for these episodes, we decided to do a theme. As most of you know who listen to this podcast, one of us does the research and the other two don't do a damn thing and have no idea what the topic is going to be until we hit record. And we do really stick to that. So for these episodes, we decided to have a theme for it. We still don't know what each uh, person is doing for their topic, but it has an overall theme. Greg, you had the, you came up with the theme. Tell us a little bit about what the theme is going to be for these three episodes that are coming up for the next few weeks. The theme that we came up with are are going to be topics that we personally find uncomfortable, cringy, 
Except we're not. Oh shit! Wait, really? Is that okay? I thought we're doing. I thought we're doing sex stuff. <laughs> yeah, we could do. Well, I I know just by reading your diary that you're uncomfortable with sex stuff. So you read his diary? <laughs> oh, that's. Does it have yeah. a little? Does it have a tiny little lock and a tiny little key? No, it's a blog, but he calls <laughs> it, it a used diary. To, but I published it online, so it's it's available for everybody. At historydefeatsitself.com. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't uh, don't make promises we can't keep. It's true. There is no sex stuff on our. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and get started. I think you talk. should, Greg. So today, what I'm going to talk about is something that I'm uncomfortable with. If there's a word for it. And we'll see if you guys, I'm going to say the word and you guys can tell me what you think it means. Today's topic for me is going to be enoclophobia. I, I don't know about you, John. I do not know what that is. Um, well, I mean, Enoch is from the Bible. And so <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I think it's a fear. You also, and you, knock, and you knock on a door. So right, no, I, th- I think it's a fear. Oh, let me cut you off right there. Wait, 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 uh, John, I want to, wait, wait, John, I want, you, okay. I want you to tell me what you think it is, but Kevin, okay. while he's talking, you have to think about it, because I told you to guess, and you can't just fucking not guess. Okay. Okay, John, sorry. So, uh, right, so Enoch is, a, like, uh, this is my, so it's a, you know, it's kind of like a name from the Bible, uh, and it's, you know, it's like an old-timey name, so I'm going to say it's a fear of old-timey photos. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Enoch is from the Bible. I didn't know that, but now that I do... <laughs> Just so you know, he's a hundred percent wrong about that. Yeah, I don't. He, oh he's shit, that's right. Wrong, so go ahead Can you say it, say it again, Greg? What is it? <laughs> Can I use it in a sentence? No, no, no. Just say the word again. <laughs> Inoculophobia. Inoc. A fear of inoculations. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna spell it. E n o c h l o p h o b i a. So it's not I. Like a knuckle, a Well, that's still my guess. Okay, good. You're wrong. <laughs> well, you guys are wrong. What it's, a surprise! Yeah, it's a shocker. So, anaclophobia refers to a fear of crowds. Ah. Now, you guys might remember when I did an episode about anxiety. Oh my God! Again, he always brings that yeah. up. Well, this is another fear that I possess. I didn't know that. This is more tangible. So I can, um, let me, I'm going to go ahead and explain what it is. And then I'm going to tell you how it affects me specifically. The, the definition of it, I think are the most dire definitions and symptoms and all that stuff. I'm not affected that badly, but I am. And I'll, I'll explain it more in a moment. So anoclophobia refers to a fear of crowd of crowds. Not everyone who feels uncomfortable in a crowd lives with anoclophobia. Rather, this phobia involves irrational thoughts and behaviors that are excessive in relation to the actual danger in a situation. In other words, if you have anaclophobia, you are unable to explain your fear and feel helpless to control it. You might even be at a point of completely avoiding crowds of people or places where you fear there may be crowds. And if you do find yourself trapped in a crowd, you probably experience extreme physical, cognitive, and behavioral symptoms that you feel powerless to manage. So it's kind of related to agoraphobia, right? Agoraphobia, as you guys know what that is? Yes, yes it's, it's the fear of going to Agora, California. Yes. <laughs> That's where it is. Is, it that, is that where you're afraid to go outside, kind of? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's where you're afraid to leave kind of the safety of your home. Right. 
So if you, but anaclophobia is more specifically fears of crowds. And the, and, and it's not just like some people, like it, it mentioned, some people uh, just feel uncomfortable in a crowd. I am borderline. I'm a little bit more um, effective. Than, so let me, let me, is it, is it, do you get like, do you start having like panic attacks or can that trigger a panic attack for you? Do you get, do you get like fear erections? Like what happens for you? No, it's mostly, <laughs> it's not erections because I get fear peepees. So if I had to go pee, it's hard to go pee through an erection. So it my is. body's smart enough to know that not to evacuate. That is really difficult. It's only hard to pee through an erection if you're aiming for something. Like I feel like if you just had an erection in your pants, you could just pee in your pants. That's true. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. It just, yeah, if you have an erection and you're trying to pee in a toilet, you just have to get creative with your angle. Right, it's all yeah. about angle. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's it's about lean angle. It's like how far can you lean down but not hit your face? Exactly. So you yep. can get you can get in the shower and just let it go. Right. That is true. Yeah, yeah but, that's true. Right. But I will say as I've gotten older, I don't need to I, it's like I can lean basically I can be at a 90 degree angle cuz I don't have the stream I used to have. So, I don't <laughs> I don't worry about hitting myself. And honestly, I don't wake up with erections that often anymore. So. <laughs> no more morning wood for you. <laughs> I mean, it happens, but it's not like, you know, it's not I'm every not day. 17. Yeah. You don't even shower that much. Either, it's more so. of a pleasant surprise than a nuisance. <laughs> so. See, I disagree. I disagree because when it, I'm like, oh, come on, man. I got to, this is, oh, now I got to lean down when I pee. And, oh. You got to stick your ass up in the air. Yeah. You kind of have mm-hmm. to get, yeah. It's, it's, and you uh, can't sit on the toilet because if you're sitting in the toilet, you're kind of like, you scooch all the way to the back, or it's, else that's a little weird. That's a little weird. Yeah, you're, didn't you touching the bowl? That's all awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah for uh, sure. It's kind of a compliment, but it's <laughs> awkward. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the way that it's uh, well, let me let me just go on. So, uh, there's no single known cause of anaclophobia. Rather, it might be connected by crowd-related trauma, a tendency to worry, or even genetic factors. The important thing is that this phobia can have a severely limiting effect on your life since crowds are very much part of life today. What's more, you can't always predict when you might find yourself in a crowd. So you might notice that your fear becomes generalized to many situations. So a way that it's affected me is I absolutely loathe going places. It's limited where I like to go for fun. And it doesn't completely describe like what my fucking neurosis is. I'll, I'll kind of get in, in there and let you know and tell me if you can relate or if I am just fucking completely crazy, but I, it doesn't prevent me from doing things. Which is well, good. hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so, so I feel like that question is kind of boxing us in because you know, you're basically giving us two choices. If you're fucking crazy or we agree with you, like it could be somewhere in the middle. You could still be fucking crazy and we agree with you. Oh yeah. Sorry. Right. Okay. I, I, just, I, just don't, I don't, I don't like the way you phrase that. I don't, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> especially when baby has an erection. I'll have that stricken from the record, please, Kevin. <laughs> okay. So here's my situation. Um, I don't like going to, I don't like going to the malls at Christmas. I don't like it. I don't like going anywhere that's crowded. Like even like an, open shit i don't know like a swap meet when there's people that are walking all different directions and they're crossing paths with me and it's so unpredictable to me i don't know what it is but i get super overwhelmed about it and i feel like some shit's about to go down and i think about like escape routes and how to get away from crowds 
I do not like being in the middle of a crowd. Like if you've ever seen videos of people on platforms in, in like, I don't know, Japan, and they're all getting pushed into subway cars or trains. And you know how there's like no line. They're just like a human blob. I would not be able to live there. I could not fucking deal with that. I, I get, I get sensory, uh, sensory integration issues and overwhelmed. And I just want to get the fuck out. I, I'm with you on that. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I like, I'm fine being outside, but I, yeah, there's been a couple of times in my life where I've been in like crowds that were, it was, it was packed so tight that there's just no way out. If I'm in a crowd of people, but I can move or it's a moving crowd, I'm fine. But yeah, if, if it's like a, if I'm like go to a rally or something and, and, and it's just like you're stuck and you can't get out of there. Yeah. I, I can't handle that. Yeah. I know when you're at the Trump rally, it's tough. <laughs> well, you're, also getting, well, you're also getting free COVID. Right, yeah. that is true. Getting, that is true. I'm getting COVID. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm fueling my xenophobia. <laughs> I'm fueling my racism. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot to be happening. It's a lot to take in at one time. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably like the worst extreme of a crowd when you feel like, say, you go to. I remember going to concerts and you're kind of like in a pit and you're just locked yeah. in. I that's the that's like a fucking fucking red alert for me, right? Like yeah. DefCon one. Well, Wait, for, is one the worst or is ten the? I don't know. I think, I think it. I think it goes down. I think one. Yeah, I think the it worst. goes down too. According to War Games, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but that was in nineteen eighty. So, if I'm in a restaurant that's like a little bit busy, and if there's like a lot of bright lights and uh, too much for you to look at, you know, like I remember I went to In and Out Burger and like the floor was tiled, black and white squares on the on the ground, and there's just a. It wasn't crazy crowded, but there's people moving around and stuff. I, I can't I started to have a panic attack. I can't fucking deal with that much sensory sensory overload. Wow. I mean, here's we. Well, I can't speak for Kevin because he hasn't really jumped in more than the other on this. But like, I know Greg I keep and trying, I, like, but I keep getting interrupted. Oh, but please go ahead. No, no. Please. <laughs> go ahead, John. I'm just teasing. <laughs> um, I was just gonna say that like I I feel like if there is some sort of civil war, uh, Greg and I we're gonna die so fast, or we have to get out of the country. Like we. we we, we both have these things. We can't handle living in a world that's pretty easy to live in. Yeah, like a that's dystopian true. world. I can't yeah. handle living in a world that's not dystopian. You can't. You can't handle tile. And none of none of us none of us can shoot a none of us can shoot a gun either. So we're kind of no, fucked in all no. those situations. No tile. No guns. Like how are we supposed to manage? It's like all the all the enemy's gonna have to do is tile the battlefield with black and white tiles. <laughs> <laughs> it's all falling down. Like, oh god. I, all right, we're going to tile this floor, and we're just going to send a bunch of people. And they're just going to start running towards him, and he's going to freak out and die. I think I just put this together. You know, my dad used to lay tile for a living. <laughs> I like when we work things out on here on History Defeats Us Home. We did that last episode, too. We all worked out our demons of getting hit when we were kids. It's, it sounds like I'm crying, but I'm not. <laughs> These are learning tears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not at the point that you guys are. I, I I will agree with you. Like, you know, the mall at Christmas, whatever that is these days. But yeah, I it's I think for me that was more like annoying than than causing any sort of anxiety because, you know, people walk like shit and like you said, they're crossing in front of you or they're really slow and you're trying to get around them and like all that and you're trying to get somewhere. That part frustrates that's, me. That's a Christmas spirit. That is well. That's like the that's the crotchety <laughs> Kevin side of me for sure. But. When I would, you know, when I was living in Chicago, we used to go to Lollapalooza every year. And, you know, that's like 100,000 people in Grant Park. And, and the, what basically, I, I'm not a fan of crowds. I don't get anxiety. I just don't really like being in big crowds. But basically, what I used to have to do is kind of just like have this like personal Zen moment and go, all right, Kev, this is going to be fucking annoying. 
but just enjoy yourself, drink beer, watch some great bands and just walk slow and deal with the crowds and not, you know, people bump into you, don't get out, bend out of shape. And truthfully, I got used to it and I was okay with it after that. But I'll tell you what. I love how your self-talk always involves alcohol. I know. Always. It does. (laughs) That's pretty much. So what I did was. Only one of us did a shot before this early morning episode, Greg. Yeah, I I went to bed last night. It comes but, out like I did my affirmations. I did tequila, <laughs> vodka, and whiskey. <laughs> and then I was ready for the show. <laughs> the funniest part about this is it's true. That's like- <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Greg. I'll tell you, Greg. Like one thing that I remember that would be your absolute nightmare is uh, they used to in Chicago used to do Third uh, of July fireworks at night. And I mean, there would be mil- like a million. You think people. I'm a dog or something? There, there would be like a million people down there watching the fireworks. And I'll, I'll never forget this one. I, I only went twice, I think, but one year, I remember uh, being downtown in Grant Park by the lake, and then you know the fireworks ended, and everyone turned around and they walked out and they started heading out, and they had closed all the streets because they knew everybody had to get out of the downtown city. And I'm telling you, looking down like a major. Chicago street downtown and looking from skyscraper to skyscraper. And it's just a wall of people all the way down for street after street after street, just an absolute wall of people. I mean, there were times where it was like, you were like, wow, could I just lift my feet up right now and just still move? I don't know if I even need to move my feet. <laughs> you should have totally grab people's shoulders. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if I had to do that. We we're so, you know, you're so crammed in. And yeah. I mean that, that made me uncomfortable because that was a situation like if something happened, there'd be a lot of people dying, you know, like if somebody, if there's like some sort of a stampede started, if someone pulled a gun out, I mean, that would have been like, <laughs> or, or if someone said Justin Bieber's at the front, that's right. <laughs> like a cow stampede. Yeah. Like, why would that happen? <laughs> there are human stampedes, John. If people panic, yeah. like, I mean, yeah. then they're just going to take off and that, that, yeah. that part's freaky. That part's freaky. But, uh, yeah, I don't think I have the, I don't have the same anxiety that, that you do, Greg, or maybe even you do, John. I, I think I can kind of deal with it, but I don't love it by any means. Well, so for for me, like Christmas and you know, malls, crowds don't bother me, like as, as long as they're moving. When it, what freaks me out is when I'm when I'm packed in like that and and it's not moving. Ah, because yeah. for, for like whatever, at a concert, like, like at a festival or something. Yeah, yeah, I won't like when at concerts, like festivals, all that kind of stuff. I never go. Like you know, I'll go to everybody's like, oh, let's go to the front. I'm like, no. No, no, you go. I'm, I'm going to stay back here. And they're like, oh, it's so much better at the front. I'm like, no, it's not. I, I fucking I freak out. <laughs> like, I don't enjoy well, it. I don't, I don't like, I can't do that either because then it's just too hard yeah. to get a beer. <laughs> that's true. And, well, and if you already true. have a beer, you're going to spill it. Absolutely. Yeah. You're going to lose yeah. at least half of it. You guys are amateurs. You take a flask of whiskey. What the fuck is wrong with you? Well, you know, it's funny. I didn't, I didn't always, I haven't always been this way. I remember going to see Pearl Jam play in like the mid nineties in Indio, California at the polo grounds. And it was such, it was a big venue and people were packed in so tight. And I went with a bunch of friends and like everyone got separated from everybody. And it was before cell phones. And like, you would basically like be like, Kevin was saying, you're so tightly packed. Like you didn't even have to step, but you would find yourself like, okay, I'm at the left front corner of the stage. And like, Two songs later, you're like, I, okay, I'm at the like the middle back of the stage. Okay, now I'm all the way on the right side, and you're like, I don't even remember taking a step. Right? <laughs> yeah. You just yeah. fucking you're going with the crowd. That and is true. I've been to shows I, like that I too. It's that. like, wait, how did we get so far back? We started out way more from up front. <laughs> yeah. 
why am I holding a grilled cheese sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> Who was I just making out with? <laughs> Eddie. <laughs> Eddie. <laughs> yeah, so that, I, I didn't have issues back then. I don't know. It must have been something that's come on since, uh, you know, the maybe, way maybe, the world is. Maybe parent, uh, having kids changed that. Maybe they somehow. Well, I've, I've had, like, lifelong anxiety issues, but, like, this, I don't know if it's. I don't want to, there's tons of things I could pin on my kids for sure. But I don't know if this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I will tell you. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go through symptoms cause I actually have some more information and then I'll get on to like another story that, uh, that kind of fucked up my head really bad. Okay. So, and then I, after I go through the symptoms, I can kind of tell you what I've experienced and I'd love to hear if, if you guys, cause you guys are relating a little bit more than I think maybe you thought you would at the onset. That's right. Uh, yes. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Okay. I mean. Yeah. I mean. I was. I got uh, in the beginning. I was really judgy of you, and and now I have more <laughs> sympathy because, not because of you, because of me. How it affects me. So. <laughs> I was thinking you were growing as a person, but you're not. <laughs> That's interesting, John, because I got I got more judgy as he talked. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, he's. I'm losing respect for him by the word at this point. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I, I can feel that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> symptoms. The symptoms of anaquophobia look very much like the symptoms of other anxiety disorders. They generally fall under three categories. Your bodily reactions, which are physical, obviously. Your thoughts, which are cognitive. And your avoidance of escape behaviors. What to know about avoidance behavior? Physical symptoms. Okay. So these, the following are physical symptoms of anaquophobia. Shaking, shortness of breath, increased heart rate, nausea, Vomiting, which would be tough in a crowd, heart palpitations, sensation of being suffocated, muscle muscle tension, dilated pupils. This might be just heroin, by the way. <laughs> it sounds like you're basically rolling in a crowd of people. Yeah, that's. Let me. Let me like, oh, I'm more. so anxious because I took ecstasy with everyone else. Who, who wrote? Who wrote these <laughs> symptoms? Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> for those of you kids out there that don't know he was a gonzo journalist and he um experienced lots of drugs he did experiment slightly with drugs yeah, yeah. just a little for loathing loathing in las vegas pick it up stomach pain dizziness tremors blacking out panic attack so those are the physical symptoms although panic attack can be considered a cognitive uh symptom as well i guess it can you know it's a it's like it becomes right? it becomes physical though Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It becomes physical. Uh, cognitive symptoms. So the following are, you know, the way you're, you're going to process this through your old brainy brain. So brain fog, depersonalization. Have you guys ever experienced depersonalization? I have. I don't know. What is it? I think I experienced it's, that a lot in this podcast. Uh-huh. It's, it's kind John, of like just, you, It's not just zoning out and thinking about something oh. other than what we're talking about. That's not per- depersonalization. That's it's not de- when you guys start talking about sports. That's yeah, not that's, what it is. That's D. John Banksism. <laughs> <laughs> the depersonalization is like when you kind of get the sensation that you're kind of floating above your own body and oh. it, it feels like you're not in, you're not in your own reality almost, right? Whoa, definitely haven't experienced that. that. No. I have. Yeah. Fun. John, John really does, but only when he does his ayahuasca. <laughs> There's no high in it. I don't know no, what it is. I, hi, hi, ayahuasca. How are you? <laughs> My name's Kevin. <laughs> oh, you were here before. I've seen Kevin. <laughs> don't forget to shit in your pants. <laughs> which, which could mean, could you could have an octophobia. <laughs> <So. laughs> 
<laughs> I don't like doing peyote in crowds. Does that mean I have the anachronism? <laughs> Okay, so uh, other <laughs> other cognitive symptoms are negative thoughts, feeling desperate. Ooh, I really need a Big Mac. <laughs> I don't think it's that. Uh, feeling angry or hangry. Behavioral symptoms. So these are some behavioral symptoms uh, related to anaphobia. Crying. That's just. Sad. I mean, it just it's it sounds like all this stuff is just being human. Like you just like you just have symptoms of being human. Okay, so depersonalization is being human. You fuck. <laughs> Feeling like you're being right. suffocated, negative thoughts, blacking out, tremors, dizziness. Those are all just, yeah, okay, John. Way to belittle my vulnerable anaclophobia. <laughs> Next. Greg, okay. how often does this, I mean, does that, do you, do you experience those symptoms that you just listed off? Uh, I'll, it, let me, I'm going to, there's yeah, yeah, a couple okay. more symptoms of the behavioral stuff, and then I'm going to, I'll tell you specifically what happens to me. Okay, so crying, clinging to somebody, not John Banks, because he's not very loving. Mm -mm, Escaping the situation, avoiding situations. One way to get a better understanding of which symptoms you experience is to keep a logbook, diary, or journal in which you write down situations that cause you anxiety and what symptoms you notice. This way, you'll have a better understanding of your own symptoms if you do choose to seek out treatment. So, in answering Kevin's it could happen to me right now. If I were to go into a crowd of people where I feel overwhelmed, like, let me give you an example. I live in a, in a small town in Northern Los Angeles County. And during the summer months before we had COVID, there would be concerts in the park. And, you know, you'd have like a fucking journey cover band or like a Neil Diamond cover band or real Neil Diamond. Or Neil Diamond and uh, and the drummer from Journey uh, playing together. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, there would there'd be like, you know, probably about 10,000 people there. Wow. And people park everywhere. I mean, Neil, Neil Diamond can bring them out still, you know? I mean, he really can. Don't. That's not fun. It's true. He can everywhere around the world okay so what happens i cannot handle those concerts in the park i don't experience any like joy i get so distracted by all the people there's kids like running all over the place and there's babies crying on blankets and there's just people going Neil! and you know i i just i, I <laughs> can't. yeah right i i cannot fuck it unless unless I go in either high or drunk. Then I can handle it just fine. Mm -hmm. But if I'm like stone cold sober, I I get I get a lot of these these symptoms. I get fucking I get panic attacks. I I've had vertigo during that. I've had palpitations. I've had vomiting when when there was a rush cover band. Maybe you want to throw well, up because I fucking hate that band. For a different reason. Yeah. Uh and and <laughs> so listen to this. I went to a Raiders game. And I brought both of my sons and one of my son's friends. And because I kind of felt, and two of the kids, my older son and his buddy, were both on the spectrum, autistic spectrum. And then Ray was only like, I think, 10 at the time. So I felt like this inherent responsibility to, you know, keep an eye on them. And like, you're in a shitty part of Los Angeles um, at the Coliseum before they. That, the, that's exactly the, why I asked if your kids had anything to do with your change. 
Um, well, in this particular event that I'm going to talk about, yes, because like I felt like an onus of responsibility. It's not like I could just be with my buddies and I wasn't driving and I can get shit faced. And yeah, and know, if I one of them, if somebody breaks off from the group, you don't worry about them. Whereas if Ray breaks off from the group, you're going to be really fucking worried, <laughs> right? Because he, he didn't have a credit card, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't know how to use Lyft. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's true. So maybe the lesson here is give Ray a credit card and teach him how to use Lyft and then a phone, and then you're fine. You're fine You'll yeah. be like, oh, he's fine. Yeah, he's, he's good. He's 12 now. He's I, fine. I, I'm more afraid of the people that Ray runs into. I'm afraid for them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so, okay. So during the game, it was like a sweltering hot summer fucking football game, right? Well, it felt like it was summer. It wasn't summer, but it was like hot as fuck. <laughs> and, and it was know, winter. I'm crammed well, in. I mean, it was, it was cold, but you know, the point is, <laughs> the point is it was at like at noon and everyone was just all around like, those fans, I'm sorry, did I say it was a Raiders game? It was a Rams game. So the fans are just getting completely fucking shit-faced. Yeah, it's football like, games are rough for that. Okay, so listen to this. It's $30 for parking. The tickets are fucking insanely expensive. <laughs> so wait, sure where, where did we go, where did we go to the cost of this I'm event tell you, all of a sudden? Here's what I understand. She's like, you know, my, a beer's $20, and then, you know, it's like you get a hot dog, and that's $19, $19 for a hot I'm dog. I'm negotiating <laughs> with the guy. I'm like, I'm not giving you $19 for a hot dog. I'll give you $14, and he wouldn't let me. He wouldn't give me the fucking hot dog. I'll give you th- three hot dogs and two beers for four, $47. That's what I'm willing that's to do That's my final today. offer. My final <laughs> offer. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. Continue. I had a, po- I had a point. I mean, it, it was fun. The battleground this election is Georgia. We got to fight like we've never fought before. A historic rematch for governor. Democracy only works when we work for it. In control of the Senate. It is time for me to get out and fight. Will all be decided here. Welcome to the blue Georgia. Know what's really going on with the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We were there before all this media attention. Our team of journalists are the authority on the campaign trail. The results will have implications for years to come. Politically Georgia, hosted by AJC Political insiders Greg Bluestein and Patricia Murphy follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. My point is, like, I, it's so expensive to be there. I don't know how people could afford to get shit faced, but they were. Yeah, yeah. they were getting really they, hammered. It was getting rowdy. Los Angeles. I think people take out micro loans when they go to those. Well, they also they also tailgate, yeah. so they come in pretty lubed up. You know, yeah, so yeah, it doesn't take much to get them over the edge once they're inside. So at one point, the Rams scored a touchdown. It was fucking awesome. And I jumped to my feet and jumped up and down. And I didn't realize like all this tension and stress I was feeling. And I all the blood rushed from my head. And I actually almost blacked out. I think I had something called like a gray out. And it's like I couldn't see for like 15, 20 seconds. It was weird as oh, wow. fuck. And it was related to all the stress that I had been feeling like up until that point. And it was just, it was kind of a trip. Yeah, that's freaky. That's freaky in general, but especially when you're in charge of three kids. You know, I mean, that, well, I guess, yeah, I guess Jack was still a kid. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's even freakier when you're, when you're in charge of three young humans. It it, it kind of, it was. So, yeah, that was a, that was kind of a shitty situation. And it didn't like, as soon as it was over and I was feeling like, like I was able to function, I don't. A lot of people are really affected dramatically by um, a disorder such as this, where it completely incapacitates them. And you can imagine they just, you know, they turn into like a fucking statue and they can't, they literally can't do anything. And I am not affected that severely. It's just, 
things, if I didn't share them with you, no one would know I was experiencing them, right? Right, like, yeah. I could still function. And since I've had the experience of being a lifelong anxiety sufferer, shit, I'm used to it. <laughs> so. and, if you threw, and if you threw up on the guy in front of you, you could just be like, sorry, man, we were tailgating. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get some of those burritos back? <laughs> so how do you and, and how do you separate the? I mean, I'm not even kidding. So, so like, I know you have a lot of anxiety, right? Because you've talked about that. So how do you how do you like separate it out, right? Because doesn't it just feel if you have that kind of anxiety, just and, and you have these different things that give you anxiety? So how can you specifically say that you have this phobia versus just like maybe it's you know, like, how do you pin it down and say, this is why? That's a good, <clears throat> that's a good question. When it comes to something like this, it's, it's specifically brought on by the situation. And the situation is, I mean, it's pretty easy to kind of self-diagnosis when I'm in a crowd or I feel overwhelmed, you can kind of feel it specifically. And, and my anxiety, my generalized anxiety was just manifested by physical sensations, um, when I wasn't in any kind of a stressful situation, I could be laying in bed and it could come about me, which is what was so confusing about my journalist anxiety. And I have to say, like I also, when I mentioned in that episode is since I've been on antidepressants for the last, I think it's been three years. Like I feel, knock on wood, I feel like a normal person. Now I'm super judgy of people that have anxiety and I'm like, come on, buddy, buck up. <laughs> right. <laughs> does, does, almost, does, that, does the medication help in the crowd situation at all? Or I guess not, because you said it, the game was, what, two years ago? It, it probably does a little bit, but it's it's still... This is something that, again, I'm not so super severely... I can count on one hand where it's affected me like pretty dramatically, um, being in a crowd. But for the most part, I just don't like being in crowds. Yeah. And I feel uncomfortable. I, I, you know, I've had that kind of shortness of breath, whatever. And I feel it, and I know how to get rid of it, and it's... I don't look. I don't feel comfortable in crowds. Some people don't feel comfortable going out swimming in the in the uh, ocean, right? Mm. So they avoid. They don't go swimming in the ocean. So like, I try and avoid crowds the best I can. And you can also you can also obviously make it worse by stressing yourself out. It's like you know for people who maybe not don't have a fear of flying, but but you know don't love flying. You know as as they're sitting there, you know, and I've had that happen before. You 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 can make yourself more anxious or more nervous by, by just thinking about, okay, plane's about to take off. Okay. I'm about to, I'm about to enter this, pl- this situation where there's going to be a huge crowd and you can, you can probably heighten your, uh, your symptoms to some degree. Well, you've actually just kind of nailed exactly what anxiety is. It's that dwelling and the talk that you're doing within your own head about how shitty it is. And I guess the biggest difference for me is since I've been on the proper medication and I've, I've mentioned before, I do the meditation and I do a lot of things that aren't just related to biochemical shit, but I will still have those initial thoughts like you're talking about, but I get over them like immediately. So the biggest problem of anxiety is it kind of begets itself and it's a chain reaction. I have, I thank goodness because it's medication. It's, I have been able to, I am able to stop it after the first step. So it doesn't affect me any, any worse than, then it, you, it's it's nowhere near as bad as it used to be. It's like my that's life has gone a billion times better. That's Me awesome. too, because he doesn't talk about it like he used to. So that <laughs> he is... talks about it a lot in the podcast, though. Like so he does, but I but I mean, but but in life, like because we, we take these walks every day because we we work together and we'll we'll go out we'll go walk around the yard and 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 uh, and it used to be those walks were just all about his anxiety, mm-hmm. uh, and now it's you know it's still I mean a little bit about other things, but we talk about other things. Yeah, you know? like so. the yeah. 
Yeah. We talk about other things that make him unhappy, but not anxiety. <laughs> talk about the cost of the hot dog at the Rams game. That's mostly the weather. That's what it, really, it really is. <laughs> All right, guys. So, hey, how do you diagnose this? Besides me coming over to your house and telling you you have it. <laughs> right? Because I can do that. I mean, it sounds like you. you just you just self-diagnose. Well, <laughs> if you're in a crowd and you feel anxious, you're like, oh shit, I have that's a- that's a good that's a I mean that kind <laughs> it's of a dead, it's a dead giveaway. Yeah, you're like I have biblical phobia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid of being churches. <laughs> you know what's funny is okay, you guys know I love hockey, right? And I'll go to a Kings game reluctantly, and I'll enjoy myself, but it's very difficult for me sitting in traffic the whole way there. Getting into the car, finding a tough tar- parking spot, going inside with a mass of people, you know, trying to get some food. I want to I want to be able to kind of get to my seat because I feel like that's my safe area and it's not a mosh. Of, I, that of doesn't sound like a phobia to me. That just sounds like getting old. That's <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking the same I mean, thing. It's it, like, it does, it, like that's like it, you just described the exact reason that my dad never took me to hockey games growing up. <laughs> And he did not have that phobia. I you don't know, think. and it's like, and it's like, you know, your back hurts with this thing. Yeah, it's like, chairs, I mean, what's this? And this guy, this guy over back. here can't fucking drive. What is he doing? Right, right. I mean, what? what is he, where, where did this fucking guy grow up? Yeah, and where, where, where are you? Where city? do you think you're going? Where, nobody's moving, dude. Nobody's moving. Where? Do, oh, say okay, so. You, you think that this lane is going to be the one to get you there, huh? <laughs> Well, it sounds like you're pretty good at getting old, too. Yeah. Oh, God. The, the Crotchety Kevin series has been quite successful on this podcast. I'd say the, the key difference is, is yeah, I mean, that is related to getting older. And it could have gone into our ageism episode. But for me, it's like, it, it's not just an annoyance. It's yeah. extremely unsettling. And I want to get the out of there. Yeah, it's yeah. stressful. So, I mean, thank you for the compassion. <laughs> but when you listen back to that, that you'll get what i was saying <laughs> yeah, it often happens that way <laughs> i listen back and i go kevin really is drunk <laughs> okay so let's get on to diagnosis anoclophobia is not a recognized disorder and the dsm-5 you guys know what that it's the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders which is kind of like the golden rule or, but or but but let's but let's say that that book even in the remember when we had the episode about child molestation like in in the seventies they still thought that like children being molested was like one in ten million or something like that and they actually thought that it could be good for a girl to be molested by her father so that's the same book you're talking about Wait, we <laughs> just did an episode on child molestation no we we, we talked about it though oh, okay. like it came up John, in something the, the yeah. difference is that granted that's true but. They this this book is a little bit like the Constitution where you can make amendments and they change no, it. I understand. Year. I understand. And, and now they realize, hey, maybe the people that were writing this this manual were doing a little too much blow. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> let's kind of, so it feels like if you were to read the latest edition, I think you'd be shocked. How <laughs> I, I promise you, I'm, there I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to read that book. <laughs> I feel like you should. If you're going on vacation. You're going to be gone for a while. You're going to something to read. <laughs> So while it's not recognized, not a recognized disorder, it may be considered to be a type of specific phobia and may be related to other diagnoses, such as agoraphobia and social anxiety disorder. In order to be diagnosed as a specific phobia, your fear of crowds would need to have persisted for at least six months 
and not be due to another diagnosis, such as social anxiety disorder, agoraphobia, or PTSD. Causes. What causes anoclophobia? If you have a fear of crowds and are asking yourself this question, it is true that there's no single cause. However, there are certain factors that are more likely to be casual, causal, I'm sorry, when it comes to this phobia. So here are some of those factors. Experiencing trauma while in a crowd. Obviously, it's kind of related to that PTSD and your, if you got, if something dramatic happened while you were in a crowd, anything bad, you're going to want to avoid Yeah, it. like people, people who were in, you know, active shooter situations like the one in Vegas yeah. and stuff like that. I'm or sure like, that. Or like Boston. Yeah, exactly. Boston or Boston. Yep, another yeah. Great, great example. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing someone else experience trauma in a crowd, that can affect you as well. You don't want to. So, you know, if you've overseen like those experiences that you just described, you might want to be like, hey, I'm not going to do that either. I don't want to put my, I don't put myself in a vulnerable position. Becoming lost in a crowd as a child or being separated from your parents. God, who hasn't had that, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's fucking, that can be horrific or fine. A tendency towards worrying too much or having negative thoughts, Greg Mitchell. Growing up with overprotective parents, not John Banks. (laughs) (laughs) You get on that ATV. (laughs) I don't care if you're only four. How many more kids do I have? Jesus Christ, both of my boys flipped that fucking ATV. (laughs) I'm going to adopt a real man, unlike you two. Yeah. Sorry, Dad. He's going to be the same age as me, and he's Fred, and we're going to sleep in the same bed. (laughs) I'll teach you guys. And we're going to hold each other tenderly because men can do that. Because there's nothing nothing gay about that. (laughs) No, just I'm becoming myself. Okay, so treatment. We talked about it. We described it. What can you do to help yourself? Do you really want to live in your own home in a bubble and be afraid of crowds your whole life? I do. But we can talk about some treatments that are We are in the middle of a pandemic, so. Yeah, so it's actually pretty good for people that have agoraphobia. They're like, fuck yeah. This is the best. Cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. This is something that I described in the anxiety episode as well. The most common treatment is CBT, which targets both your worried thoughts as well as your avoidance behavior. It can also involve desensitization to work on your physical reactions to crowds. As part of CBT, you will learn how to identify unhelpful thinking patterns and replace them with more adaptive ways of thinking. You would also gradually face... Does, this is, does Michael... Oh. No, go ahead. Okay. I was, does uh, the song Michael Jackson's PYT, does that help at all? Because it's just letters. It sounds like CBT, PYT, PPO, OOP. OPP. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's what I was trying to I say. I think that's where you're going. <laughs> yeah. OOO. Yeah, I, I just, okay. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> no. just reading about this right no. now for the first time, so I don't know if that helps or not. <laughs> Fair enough. You would also gradually, I can't believe you interrupted for that. Okay, you would also gradually <laughs> feel the situations really? that. We've been, we've been doing this for a year and a half. You can't believe I interrupted for that? No, I can't believe you interrupted with something so fucking stupid. If you interrupted Again, with something funny, then that'd be fine. We've, I mean, That's a comedy podcast. No, fair. That's fair. Okay. I'm going to put myself in the corner with my erection. So. <laughs> I'm a little alarmed because he just put his leg up on like the desk or whatever. and I didn't, He's got That's an erection. Leg. <laughs> wow. Damn. You would also gradually face a situation that you fear, beginning with the easiest and gradually work your way up to the hardest, which also while also engaging in some form of relaxation training. This could happen in real life, in real crowd situations, or it could be done using your imagination. 
So that's, you know, that's kind of like, um, I can't remember the term for it is, but it's like when you're practicing situations, when you're at home preparing for them. Um, I do that sometimes with hockey. Oh, visualization exercises. That's what it's called. I do that all the time for hockey. Sometimes when I'm just on the way to the rink, uh, I'm thinking about like skating well and what it feels like, you know, the, the skates on my feet and the ice below me and stick handling and shooting and, and, and that, I, I feel like that's helped me like success on the ice. It's almost like you're warming up before you actually warm up. Well, it's, it's great until you crash the car. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you crash a car, then you get to avoid any situations in crowds. So. <laughs> I do that with drunk driving. I like to visualize myself drunk driving. So that way it's like I imagine myself not getting pulled over, mm-hmm. not wrecking the car. Right. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes, you know what? Sometimes you're going to have a panic attack and get arrested anyway. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That is true. Further, the next item on the list is medication, which I went into. Um, anti-anxiety medication might also be prescribed if your anxiety is severe and impacting your life. You might be prescribed either short-term or long-term medication, depending on your symptoms and particular needs. There's also some self-help coping mechanisms. So you can connect something positive with crowds so that you can break the negative association. Something that's worked for me is getting drunk. That's positive. (laughs) It helps me deal with crowds. Like I wonder, I wonder if a uh, microdosing, because you know that's like a, I don't know, if that's a huge thing now. Yeah, sure is. People people take uh, very small amounts of m- mushrooms or psilocybin. Uh, is that what it is? Uh, and and that has shown to help with a lot of things. So I wonder if something like that would help with this. It, it probably would. I mean, I, and I'm like, we are not doctors. <laughs> so, well, I mean, we're not. Not I mean, doctors. No, no, Greg, no, no. Greg, we're not, 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 not doctors. <laughs> Greg, <laughs> Greg was a psychology major, so it's true. I mean, it's basically like he's been practicing medicine for the last thirty years. But Kevin and I are not doctors. I don't know. I used to watch ER. <laughs> I used to watch Mash. I watched Doogie Howser. Yeah, see, so we're qualified. Yeah, and I will say I've had some very positive experiences with crowds. I've um, gone to concerts before. I don't know if you remember in the late 1980s and early 90s, there used to be a band called uh, U2. Have you heard of them? No. Mm, doesn't no. ring a bell. S- since then, they transitioned to some kind of Is that hashtag U2? annoyance, but they used to be kind of fun to go see in concerts. And I remember being at like at Dodger Stadium and watching them play, and it, it was like the whole crowd was into it, and you felt this like spiritual amazing emotional impact of like the whole like the whole body of fans were all together as one right and it was like real mass energy and i it's almost like a euphoric feeling and I it was also probably crushed. partially the L- lsd too <clears throat> yeah I, it was i smoked a lot of pot but it's laced with pcp but i have had good experiences in crowds i've gone yeah. to hockey games where there have been goals and like everybody in the arena is like celebrating yeah, it's sure. like a euphoric feeling yeah. And so but has it like like seriously though has it has it changed since you've gotten older, right? No, you, I have always been years. like this. I've okay. I I've had problems with crowds ever since I was a child. Okay. Oh, cuz you you said earlier that it's gotten worse though. Is what you were saying. It's gotten yeah. a, it's gotten a little bit worse because as a child, I didn't feel 100% responsible. Part of it is like I need to get back to my safe place which might be at home. And like, you know, I would have someone else drive me. And if I was the one that was responsible for getting everyone home and having to kind of fight through traffic and and whatever crowds of drunk people and like 
uh, chaotic things going on around you. Um, Make sure that you're pulling your kids with you and that everybody's together and all that. Yeah. 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 And when it's not your responsibility, it's a lot less, it's a lot less stress. No, you just worry about where you're going to throw it. Yeah. 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 Well, for for me, it's like an age thing. Like, like, again, I don't have it to the severity you do. Like it's, it's more of just like attention and, and, and I certainly can get a panic attack if I'm going to really packed in, but that is, that is something that has happened to me as I've gotten older. Mm -hmm. I can definitely get, I can definitely get a bit of a claustrophobic feeling if I'm with, you know, if it's a crowded elevator or a lot of people in a small, like indoor space, I I feel worse. Outdoors, I'm, I'm better. I'm definitely not too bad when it's outdoor and, and hockey games don't really bother me. I feel like it's spread out enough that it's not, it's not too bad. I will say bears games sometimes were, were rough just of of because everyone coming going in and going out was the the part where it was like good lord like it's just it really is just a sea of people heading into the stadium and then heading out when the game's over so that that can be a little bit rough but I definitely don't have it as bad as you either Greg but th- I do get I do get anxious sometimes in those situations I think everybody does to some degree yeah uh I was gonna say I know like I went to a hockey game once with Greg and it, like a bunch of his like people he plays hockey with and and we had they're called friends. Uh, are they though? <laughs> That's not how they tell it. <laughs> They're like hockey acquaintances. Um, but so, and they were they were they were moving like because it, the, it so they kept moving seats because it wasn't crowded and they were like there was like a bunch of guys there and they were communicating so we kept moving from place to place and it was like and, and I ended up leaving that that game like we, we finally settled down and then I just got up and I was like all right I'm out I left and the next day Greg was like where the fuck did you even go and and I realized that like, what was happening for me is is that he was like oh, i went to a different section i didn't like that one <laughs> when i'm in a crowd or when i'm in something like that it's like i i do have a little bit of anxiety going in and but what gives me comfort is knowing that i'm going to go in and i'm going to settle and i'm going to be sitting in the same place yeah. and then i'm going to have this experience and we we, I, we literally moved four times so and by the and by the fourth time it was like even though we were settled and we were going to move anymore my anxiety was so high that I was just not enjoying anything. And I don't really enjoy hockey anyway, so I was already starting in a negative, you know. But it was like, it, it, I, I, I do enjoy like going to sporting events with people because it's like you get to fuck off with your friends. Yeah. But that, that was just, by, the, by that point, I was so like, tense and anxious and I just did not want to be there, so I left. So. Yeah, John, I'm, I'm sorry that if I had a hand in your anxiety and feel terrible about that but i will tell you this as a hockey fan we kept on moving down closer and closer to the glass and getting better better seats because it was and it was fucking awesome (laughs) i i hate doing the thing where you move from seat to seat i like to have a home base too um but i also understand why when it's not crowded that people want to do that but my thing was always like eventually like at least in chicago at the blackhawk games they they weren't real cool with you switching seats they'd kind of try to make you move so i i was i was always like you know kind of looking around like oh we're we gonna get in trouble like <laughs> <stuff. laughs> yeah. i have that too i do experience that as well me too i don't want to so. do anything. I'm a, i am a rule like like the rules are in place to be followed and if you go outside those rules it's like what are you doing i'm kind of a rule follower myself so i, yeah. I definitely feel that feel that well and the thing about that specific night and i think one of the reasons why we kept moving around too was because my friends and I, we weren't just attending the game. After the game was over at the Staples Center, we were, we were playing hockey there. So oh, okay. we were trying to kind of get oh, our, that's right. We were trying to get our group together uh, as close as we could. And that's why the next day at work, I was like, John, you didn't even fucking watch me play hockey, you dick. 
He's like, well, it would have it would have looked so much worse after seeing the pros play. You would have looked yeah, so slow. That's true. And like the only time I ever watched you play hockey, I was sitting next to Sheena, and that was awesome. So how do you how do you top that? Right? Sheena wasn't there, so. Okay, yeah, so I would be remiss if, if we have listeners out there that are kind of suffering to, with this to some degree or another. I'm just going to point out these kind of helpful strategies, and maybe it's going to it'll land for you, and you'll, you'll feel like uh, you're not alone, and you've got a way out. So I'm going to just run through these really quickly here. So if you – ways to help yourself is have an exit strategy or position yourself near the edges of a crowd so that you feel comfortable about your ability to leave necessary. If a crowd starts to move, move with the crowd rather than pushing pushing against it or trying to exit the opposite way. As you face situations that cause you anxiety, be sure to do it in a gradual way and slowly build up. If it feels helpful to you, bring someone along with you who you can trust. Choose someone who will be understanding and not judge you if you need to get the fuck out. Choose not John Banks. Yeah, not, not John, John Banks. Banks. And don't be Choose- that guy who stands in the, at a concert and is like, I'm not moving. This is my spot. <laughs> this is my spot. No, you can't get in front of me. This is my spot. I paid a. I paid for this ticket. Yeah, for right here. Choose times to go places when there aren't likely to be crowds, such as shopping at night or avoiding big sales. Focus on taking deep breaths if you find yourself becoming overwhelmed by anxiety. Keep your mind occupied if you find yourself in a crowd by doing other things, such as listening to your headphones. Practice daily med- meditation to build up a tolerance to stress and learn. How to slow down your mind. So where, where are we all going to shop for Black Friday, guys? Uh, online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On, online. The Amazon. I'm going to go to the Amazon rainforest. And finally, keep a journal to track patterns of your anxiety and stress and any triggers that you notice make things worse. Hmm. So in a nutshell, we've talked, I think, just about all things anoclophobia, if I could say that properly. And um, and once again, I have to admit to these, to the least sympathetic people that I know about something mm-hmm. that I possess, and they have chosen to about ridicule, us? make fun, and point fingers and laugh at me. And I just want you guys to know that I would have it no other way. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> Any final thoughts from you two? No, I think that I think it's like a lot of things. It's good to recognize stuff, you know. I mean, I think that, you know, it's you know, we we have we do we do learn from our history in the sense that we, you know, you know, some people roll their eyes when when people talk about things like this, but it's a real thing and it's something you feel. And if you have, if you figure out how to cope with it, you know, because you can't just avoid crowds for the rest of your life. It's just it's not very realistic. So as long if you can figure out ways to manage it and keep yourself sane, whether that's medication, meditation, beer, whatever it is, like at least you, uh, at least you recognize it and you're able to, uh, to cope with it. I think that's good. Yeah, I think you're right. And John, before you get to your final annoying, insulting thoughts, I would say that, yeah, mm-hmm. it did, I didn't kind of tie that little bow on it where it's, it is related to our podcast in that history, you know, defeats itself. We want to know if we improved or gotten worse. And I think in, um, in a sense, we have gotten better because we're better clearly able to identify uh, kind of what these anxieties and fears are and how to help. Whereas, you know, you got to imagine like 20, 30, 50 years ago, people just, you know, you suck it up and you deal with it and you stay quiet about it. And I could promise you people of my father's generation were not sitting around 
talking about what would bother them. No, imagine being at 1955 and being like, I'm just so anxious in crowds. I just, I don't know. Like, I just don't think I should be here. Yeah, I don't, I just don't think it would work. And I think a lot of people probably suffered in silence. Yeah. And just, so that's one way that I think our society has gotten better. Is we're able to shine a light on, on things like this and, and get help. So like, you know, you remove the stigma from meditation, medication and therapy, and it's only results in people that can function better in our society. Sorry, John. No, not at all, man. Uh, I feel like I, I agree with your point that it, it is going to get better in the sense that we are getting better at diagnosing. And when certainly as a society, uh, I mean, not everybody in the society feels this way, but, you know, I think more and more people are accepting that, you know, people do get depressed, people do get anxious and m- mental illness uh, is, is should have no more of a stigma than breaking your leg. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when you someone breaks your leg, you're like. Don't be such a pansy. Like, get up and just walk it off. Sure, that's a bone sticking out of your leg, but that's, <laughs> hey, you know, if, if it wasn't meant to come out when you break it, it wouldn't happen like that. And so. if you think about it, it's probably, it's probably better to laugh at a broken leg than someone's mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's actually kind <laughs> of fucked up, but it's true. Breaks their leg. So, uh, but on the, on the flip side of that, I, I do think that as we grow in population as a world, we, yeah, I feel like the world can feel smaller. So I feel like more people are going to have more anxiety and more problems with the world around them because you know it is, you know, you know, we we are inundated by every bad thing that's happening in the world, and it's we have access to what's happening all the time, and so I think that adds to all those kind of anxieties. So yeah, there are definitely you know, more sources of anxiety. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so it's like as as we get so it's like I think it's like a very two sided coin where it's like we are better at diagnosing and better at treating and more sympathetic. And at the same time, more and more people are having those. Yeah, because it's more pervasive. So it's like if more people are suffering, then you kind of have to break that. You have to break that cone of silence off. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Greg. All right. Thanks, Greg. Part one of our uncomfortable series was in the books. (laughs) And it was uncomfortable. We'll see you everybody in a couple weeks. Thanks. 